Welcome to Practically Christian. I'm Janelle, and I'm here with my husband, Luke. Hi, guys. And our friend, Jake. Hello. We share conversations that help you know Jesus more deeply and follow him more faithfully. The truth is, no one has arrived at Christ-likeness. To grow in that direction, we believe you need authentic relationships and biblical theology applied to your everyday life. We hope that you're encouraged to grow and to live out the biblical truth that we discuss on this episode. So let's get practical and dive into a conversation about friendship and what does it really mean to be a Christian friend. Yeah, guys, so we're going to be talking about relationships for the next uh, three weeks after this one. Uh, Today we're talking about friendship. Our next talk about relationships is about singleness and then dating and marriage. So to dive into this topic, let's hear a story from Janelle about a time when a friend came through for her. Yeah, so when Jake asked um, about thinking of a story when someone came through for me, just very recently something happened. Um, Basically, our two-year-old son is pretty tall for his age and he grabbed something very hot off of our counter and um, burned himself, and then uh, had to go to the ER. So it was a Monday morning, life was already chaotic as normal, and then bam, it was way worse, and we had a a child with a severe burn, and um, and my friend Teresa, who is awesome, um, came over and just watched our girls, and she actually cleaned up our whole messy house while I was at the ER with my husband and my two-year-old son who was suffering from made our kids lunch yeah made our kids lunch we got home and didn't we had a clean house and fed children and could just focus on our child with a burn so I was very grateful in that moment to have a friend that we trust you know like that we could leave her with our kids and not have any worries and and then she went above and beyond yeah that's awesome so Friendship, there's a lot of parts to it, and I think everyone can like say, I know what a really good friend looks like, but I don't know if everyone like knows why a really good friend looks like that. The idea of friendship goes all the way back to how we were created um, by God, and you know, God creates Adam, and he has Adam is like all lonely and he's like with God and he's with all these animals and God's like, I'm just going to let Adam figure out that he needs other people. Mm-hmm. And so Adam is like going through the animals like that one's not a suitable companion, but I'm going to name it this. That one's not a suitable companion, but I'm going to name it a bear. And then eventually like God is like, okay, cool. There's no suitable companions. I'm going to make another person. I think a lot of times this is used to talk about marriage, obviously, but I think it works the same for friendship And the big part of it is that none of the animals could know Adam. Mm -hmm. And Adam couldn't really know any of the animals. Mm -hmm. Like, he can know about them, he can know of them, he can have a relationship with them. But it's not a deep relationship like a person can have with another person. What kind of happens in that story is they end up in this relationship and they sin. And then for the first time, it's not good to be known by others. Or it doesn't feel good to be known by others. Because shame their, shame, their shame around what they did, and they don't want God to know, but even though they know that God knows, they don't want to experience the, like the hurt or the grief of God mm-hmm. about their action. And so for the first time, they try to hide something from 
God, and then they go forth and they try to hide things from each other, and then, you know, Cain and Abel happen, and they're hiding things from each other, and that's been the story of human history. So here's the question. What makes us, or like you personally, afraid to, for others to truly know you to the fullest? Yeah, going off that biblical story of Adam and Eve, and shame being, I think, uh, at the heart of what's going on there, and guilt... I think for me, like there's a similar dynamic where um, shame is powerful, where it kind of gives this message of like, oh yeah, but if they knew everything about you, then they wouldn't like you anymore. And guilt and shame kind of give us this message of if, like, yeah, you can't be totally open because if you were, they wouldn't be your friend anymore. I think the more open you are, the more rejection hurts, I want to say, mm-hmm. because it's closer to the core of your being that's being rejected. Mm-hmm. So if I meet someone in the street and try to be friendly and they're just rude to me, it's like they're rejecting maybe on lots of different levels of like, there could be lots of reasons. Maybe they're just too busy or maybe they're grumpy. But if it's like after I reveal something about myself, it's much more personal. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you've opened yourself up because you're, you want to know them better and you want them to know you so you can have this relationship. And then the worry is if they drop you, then that's personal rejection. That's your fault or like they've rejected you in something that you haven't told other people. And then you have like the same idea of like, well, if I told someone else this thing that I just got rejected for, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to keep that to myself yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think there's just something deep within us and maybe it's, even goes all the way back to creation where we want community, we want friendship, we want relationship with people. So it's almost a survival mechanism of anything that might put that at risk, I want to avoid. Mm-hmm. Revealing too much about myself might put the, actually put that relationship at risk. I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, or it might change the relationship in a way that you don't want it to, even yeah. if the relationship's not gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if people aren't safe too, they can use that information against you. So mm-hmm. it's kind of giving them... Power, power over you in a way. Yeah, definitely. So one of the best stories in the Bible about friendship is a story about David and Jonathan and their friendship, their kind of unlikely friendship. Um, Luke is going to summarize that for us. So the story of David and Jonathan's friendship is pretty amazing for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the most amazing facts about it, I think, is Jonathan's self- selflessness in the relationship. So the storyline is... Saul is the first king of Israel and his son is Jonathan and so Jonathan's set up to be the next king he's next in line and we learn from the story he's actually very brave he's actually a person of much higher integrity than his dad is Um, he goes out and fights the Philistines in this brave act and basically starts this battle and turns the tide against the Philistines and so like he has all the characteristics to be actually a good king but because of Saul's failures, God has already said through Samuel, like, no, I'm going to choose a new line. I'm going to choose a new king. And God um, has Samuel anoint David as king. And uh, we don't know all the story, but it is very clear that David and Jonathan become friends, um, especially after the incident with David and Goliath is probably how they even meet. And it talks about um, Jonathan's soul being knit to David's soul. And... Um, or in one of the Psalms, David talks about how, like, your love was better than that of women. And it's not talking about, like, sexuality. It's just talking about, like, the intimacy of 
the closeness that they they felt for each other and um so it was this cool friendship where they were like there for each other and knew each other and supported each other and jonathan so much so that he knew that david was supposed to be king next he knew that his dad should step down his dad wasn't and several times he actually risked himself to save david he quips David and helps him out in these tough situations and is there for them. Even though, in a lot of ways, basically, like, David is stealing his inheritance and he could have fought against that and he didn't. This shows partly, like, the sacrifice of a good friend. And I think, like Janelle's story earlier, it shows sacrifice where uh, Teresa came over and sacrificed part of her day and her effort of cleaning the house and probably the cleanliness of her own house in some ways um, to help out a friend and like the the sacrifice is kind of in there you can't have a friend Mm -hmm. who's not willing to sacrifice for you that person's not really a friend Mm -hmm. um so here's five parts of friendship that i outlined and they're encouraging like kind of encouraging you to be more christ-like but also encouraging you when you're down or depressed or just in life in general uh integrity or like being a person of character someone who's willing to sacrifice and also someone that you can, you know, trust to be there for you. Uh, companionship. This one's kind of, I think, the, the one that's the easiest to think about when you think about a friend is someone you enjoy being around and hanging out with. And that you just, kind of like the David and Jonathan, you just feel connected mm-hmm. when you're around uh, each other. And then willingness for deep discussion. Uh, this one's, I, I don't know if this is for everyone, this is, might just be for me, of like wanting friends who are willing to go deep and not just to be at surface level because while companionship is awesome sometimes it it doesn't go to that same deep level that true like knowledge of each other Mm -hmm. brings Um, and then finally safety of this idea that when you reveal stuff to this other person they're they're going to keep that and they're number one not going to reject you for it and number two they're not going to use it against you in the future share with others yeah things like that yeah yeah, so looking at these five things, again, they're encouraging, integrity, companionship, willingness for deep discussion, and safety. Uh, which of these five are you the best at? And which one are you, like, do you need to improve on or are you the worst at? For me, I think the one I have the most growth opportunity for <laughs> <laughs> is uh, being encouraging. I think... Yeah, I just kind of obsess about the things I'm working on and want to get through. And I don't often, unfortunately, have my eyes open to those around me and what they need and how I could encourage them and build them up. So basically, I'm a selfish person. <laughs> but which one are you the best at? Or do you think it comes most naturally to you? Probably the um, being a safe person uh, in several ways. Uh, my... So my, my parents' backstory is that they went through a lot of counseling and then as a result of that, like, really ingrained in us kids a lot of good communication skills and listening skills and the importance of that. And so some of those things come a little more natural to me because my parents pounded it into us. Um, but I think because of that, I respond the way you should respond when someone shares something hard. Like, I don't jump to the, oh, yeah, that reminds me of a time I went through something hard. Like, I, I do, in general, a good job at listening in a supportive way and being there for people. And then also, maybe it's partly be, being in pastoral ministry and just being used to things 
generally being confidential. Um, like I'm able to hold those things and not share them in a you know gossipy way with others. Yeah, definitely, that's awesome. What do you think, Janelle? So I think for me, the worst one is companionship. And by that, I mean, I think when I'm with people, I'm companionable, if that makes sense. But I don't often carve out time in my life to be with friends. I'm kind of, um, I want to say content with my inner circle. (laughs) And I don't often carve out time to get together or to, you know, follow up with text or, um, to call people and catch up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like I just, that one is probably my worst, which is definitely sad when I think about it, that I don't spend more time in my life, um, working on my friendships. Yeah. I love how you guys are always starting with the one that you're having the trouble with. Cause <laughs> <laughs> we want to end on a positive note. There we go. <laughs> I think I'm definitely willing to dive into deeper topics and discussion and I'm ready to go there anytime with people. That's kind of my conversational bent, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. is to go deep with people or I want to know what's really going on. I don't, I don't want to just have small talk and I want to hear their heart in it and I want them to be open and honest and I want to be the same. So I, I'm kind of a, my life on my sleeve kind of person anyway, so... Yeah, nice. I think similar to Luke, for me, I think my my issue is encouraging others. And I think part of it is like, that's, I don't know, to use the word speaking life into others mm-hmm. is not common in Western culture. It's it's more of like a game to get what you can. Mm-hmm. And it, like sometimes when you like encourage others, it ends up like this, okay, cool, thanks. I'm really awkward now. Like, <laughs> we're like, wow, I really respect that about you. And they're like, oh please don't. <laughs> um, and so I think that there is, it's kind of rough for me to, to do, but also I think it's one of the most important ones when we think about like the book of Hebrews is like, how do you stay in the faith? How does the community of Christ stay in the faith? And it asks that question like five times. And the answer every time is community encouragement, community encouragement. Mm. And so I think that that's something I really need to work on because it's so integral. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the one that I'm probably best at is companionship. I guess I'm pretty good at making time for other people and just hanging out with them. And sometimes that goes into deep discussion and sometimes it doesn't, but kind of looking at all like these friendship things and talking about like what makes good friendship. I think one thing that we can edge towards if we focus on good friendships is we end up kind of making an inner circle kind of idea where then we don't spread out Mm -hmm. the group. And I think that God wants us to have our close friends. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's really good but that we're also supposed to be quote unquote friends with everyone in the church. And we're supposed to be friendly with and to be there for everyone in the church. And that doesn't mean to the same level, mm-hmm. but it means that you should be willing to sacrifice for others in the church. And I think I'm not always great at that. And I don't think anyone really is because it's, you're more willing to sacrifice or to be friendly with people that you you're friends with. Do you feel close to? Yeah. Um, but I think there is kind of like that idea where friendship can become exclusive and can leave people on the outside. And I, I was talking to Luke the other day about um, this topic, and he brought up this really interesting story about um, his oldest daughter. Yeah, so Ad is in first grade this year, and she was just having a conversation and kind of lamenting the fact that 
she was talking about basically two of her friends in school that she feels like friends with, but then she was like, oh, but, you know, like basically like they're best friends with each other. And it was interesting because you see this longing to like have a best friend in the kids. Like they're like, oh, who's your best friend? And who's your best friend? Oh my, this is my best friend. But it's sad because the dark side of that is that it ends up excluding all the people who aren't your best friend. You know, like Adam was feeling like, oh, I'm not their best friend, 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 where in this effort to have this close companionship, we turn towards, like, who's your best friend? And that causes, like, and no one else is, and all those people are rejected and pushed out to the side. Yeah, and it's kind of, there's, like, this tightrope, right, of where in marriage, it's really good to be exclusive. Like, (laughs) if you're married, you should be exclusive in that relationship, but in friendship you should have, you can have multiple close friends and you should also be bringing other people in whether, you know, they're as close as or not, you know? So Um, how do you discern that, Jake? What do you mean? How do you discern what? How do you know who you should reach out to and be friends with? Yeah. So I think that there is, I mean, I think there's a level of like natural connection with some people. And I think those are good natural connections, right? God created everyone uniquely and we're, we like uniquely mesh well with other people. Um, but at the same time, I think it's kind of easy just to look and to see, you know, in like stereotypical high school movie way, like there's always that one kid sitting alone at a table and it's like the idea of I'm going to bring in people who look like they're on the outside, people who don't have a best friend, Mm -hmm. um, and bring them into the group. And that doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them, but it does mean that you should give them companionship Mm -hmm. and safety and friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not to the same level that you're connecting with your like natural friends. Yeah, I think it's I think it's true. I think we should be inclusive. I think there's a discernment process on like who you're investing your time in, and, mm-hmm. um, and like whether certain people are for you to reach mm-hmm. <laughs> and not. I mean, I feel like the bigger your church context, the more difficult it is to spread yourself. Yeah, definitely. Them all, you know. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a, it's an interesting question because it's not exclusive, and yet you have limits, relational limits in in your life. And well, it's so, like even Jesus, right? He had his disciples. He had his the three and the twelve and the seventy or seventy two. Um, and Jesus is like, it's going to be good for me to leave because then I'll be able to be with all the Christians all the time and not just with here. this group. And we don't have that luxury, which is fine, right? We we have the ability to be with those around us. But I think it makes a lot of sense like to kind of think about that in our friendships of Jesus, you know, inner circle, medium circle, and big circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like, you know, Jesus has the, like, the 5,000 that he feeds. And when he tries to get away to go alone, and then the 5,000 come, and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll help you guys out. Like, he's never, he's never pushing away people that come to him. Yeah. I think that's kind of how we should be with the church is like, you can have your closest circle and your medium circle, mm-hmm. but anyone who's a Christian, you should be willing to engage with if they come to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just a good corrective. Like I think we tend towards thinking, Oh, well you should just be, you should just be totally fair and treat everyone the same. And it's like, Jesus didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, like he specifically spent more time with Peter and James and John. And we're not given an explanation for that, but the, the most common explanation I've heard is just 
he was closest to them. Like, yeah, he was closer <laughs> friends with them. And yeah, they got to see the transfiguration and on no the one top else of the did. mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think, um, actually, one thing that was really interesting to me was uh, this last semester at seminary, we were writing uh, papers comparing uh, Paul to a like Greek or Roman philosopher. Mm. And one of the uh, people in my class did a paper about comparing friendship. And his, uh, his argument was that Paul rarely, if ever, uses the word friend. Mm. But all of his writing is dripping in the language of friendship. Uh. Where it's like, he, he very rarely says, you're my friend. But all of it is like, the, all the things he says are things that he said, that other people would say about friends. Interesting. Um, so here's just a, a quick quote kind of about how, what Paul thinks about the church in uh, Thessaloniki. It's First Th- Thessalonians 5, 8 through 11. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Yeah, so I love this because it's like, it assumes like this level of friendship. It's like, you guys, you guys are doing this. You're building each other up. You're encouraging each other. You're living as friends because you're part of the church. And that's what the church does. Yeah. Um, and I think Luke uh, brought up Third uh, John verse 14. There are no chapters in Third John because it's yeah. so darn short. Yeah, it's just the way John concludes this letter. And he says, the friends here send their greetings and greet the friends there by name. And for John, the word friend is basically synonymous with brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, you're part of the church community, you're friends. Yeah, and I think that even shows, like, that, you know, those friends from one church probably don't have a great close relationship with the friends of this other church because they're probably not in the same city, and it's probably a pretty long travel to get between them, but they're still friends because they're Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of similar to the brothers and sisters in Christ. We should all be friends and friendly and encouraging each other. So I have a question. Yeah. The question that I hear most often coming up with friendship is basically just a, I'm lonely. I want to have those kinds of friends and I feel like I don't. Mm. So what would you guys say to someone who's experiencing that of like, that sounds great. I want that. I don't have it. Yeah. I would say, um, have a giver mindset with friendship like be the one to offer, be the one to take initiative. Cause I think so often we are waiting for someone else to call us out and say, Hey, do you want to go to coffee with me? As opposed to being the one to say that to them, mm-hmm. um, or to be the one to offer assistance, you know, Hey, if you ever need anyone to, you know, babysit for you, or if you ever need anyone to help you with moving a large box, like, <laughs> let me know. I'm, I'm here for you. You know, like, I think if, if people hear that from you frequently and they know that you're available for that, yeah. you'll find that other people who have that hole in their lives are going to be open and receptive. Cause I think so often we're in our shell of loneliness. I want to say where we are almost like hermit crabs going into the shell instead of coming out into the light where the rest of everyone Mm-hmm. can can see you and and know you and kind of get closer to you. Mm-hmm. And then I will also say friendship takes time. I remember when I was going off to college, so I was a graduating senior from high school and everyone told me like, 
oh, college is so great. You're going to make lifelong friends. Like they were all talking about friends, 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 college and friends. And then I remember getting to college and I was so lonely at first because I went to college out of state. I knew nobody, um, who attended my small college that I went to. And, um, I just was, I think prepped from what everyone said to like be close to all these people. And yet it took time. Like I want to say it just takes time. So now anytime I talk to a graduating senior, (laughs) I'm like, you are going to make great friends. I'm so excited for you to make good friends at college, but just remember it takes time. It's not an instant, um, instant process. Mm -hmm. Um, it just takes so much investment to get close to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing is like out of the the list of five, the, the initial one is usually companionship. Mm -hmm. And so just offer companionship, like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. Would you like to come with me and do this thing? Um, obviously in better words than that, (laughs) (laughs) Um, more specific words. I think the other thing to think about is like, there's, always I think like a like more popular people in any setting Mm -hmm. and everyone seems to want to be friends with those more popular people Mm -hmm. but in that like just like Jesus right he was really popular but he couldn't be friends with everybody and so I think if you want more friends there are other people who also want friends and but they're probably not the natural people that you're drawn to Mm -hmm. and you might have to you know, look in different places than you're naturally just like looking towards. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, our pastor told this story that he saw a post on a community forum, maybe next door or something like that. But it was a couple that they're, I think they were recently empty nesters and they were just realizing that they didn't have many friends and they were like, maybe there are other people out there. And so they, they put a post like, hey, this is who we are and we would love to have some people to play games with sometimes or something if anyone's interested. And then apparently they got like tons and tons and tons of responses of private messages from other people who felt similarly and were ready for a relationship and wanted to have that in their lives as well, um, but just didn't have a way of connecting. So it's almost a putting yourself out there. Yeah, and maybe even felt embarrassed about it. Like, which would be why you would private message people, you know, like, you're like, <laughs> I don't want anyone else to know that I feel the same way and I'm lonely. Um, but yeah, I think loneliness comes from not being known mm-hmm. and from not knowing others in a deep way, right? Because yeah. if you stick with just companionship and that's all your friendship is, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of friendships are, um, is just companionship, then that friendship isn't going to be nearly as fulfilling as it should be. Yeah. Yeah, so to get the most, not to get the most out of friendship, that's not the right way of saying it, to, to be the kind of friend God is calling us to be and to engage in those kind of friendships we were designed for, you kind of have to go, like, I don't know, I want to say, like, embrace the awkward conversations or the uncomfortable situations of oftentimes going first mm-hmm. in the conversation, being willing to go first and share at a deeper level because that's usually what creates a safe space for the other person to share at that level too. Um, but it's scary. It's risky to do. The other thing I would just add to what you guys said is that I've noticed that there is just, I don't know, it's a mix of our personalities or our wiring or family of origin or all of that meshed together where there are some people that you get to know and you spend time with them and you just don't click. Like, you're not going to be best friends with them or super close friends. 
and that's okay. Like they can still be in one of those broader levels of friendship circles. Um, but to, I don't know, like have an open mind and a prayerful attitude and find someone else to, you know, hang out with and engage in companionship with. So, so far we've been talking about friendship and all of the beautiful, wonderful things that it can be and how it can cure loneliness and, um, how God designed us to be in this relational setting. But we all know that friendship can also have a negative side. There can be toxic friendship or they can, there can be clicks uh, instead of clicks instead of community or um, peer pressure that drags people down the wrong path. Like I think of so many kids in the youth group or whatever, if they're going down the wrong path, a lot of times it's related to the friendships that they have invested themselves into, um, kind of drawing them away from God or um, that kind of thing. So my question for you is, what do you do about toxic or negative friendship and how can we keep our friendships healthy? Obviously friendship is never going to be 100% healthy. Um, but how can we get healthy and how do we know when someone is not a good influence and we should kind of let go? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I think there's, there's a few different parts of that. I think we're going to talk about this more when we get to like dating and marriage as well. But like the idea that we make friends similar to how friendship is modeled to us by our families and by others around us. So I think it's pretty common to make more toxic friends when we have family members who have toxic friends um, or when you have toxic relationships because you just don't notice the toxicity. Um, And I think a lot of those friendships are built only on companionship. I think that's kind of the the way American friendships work currently. Like naturally, so you go to companionship and you never go beyond it. You never are encouraging. You're never sacrificing. You're not safe. All of these different things. Uh, and you never go deep in your conversations. And a lot of that happens where I think I've seen people who have companionship and they find out there's nothing more to their friendship and they start doing toxic things together, whether it be smoking marijuana, drinking alcohol, all these different things that are like social lubricants so that they don't have to go deeper to have a good fr- like to have a friendship that feels good to them. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're ever in the situation where your friendship feels like you have to be doing this one particular thing to be enjoying that time, then that's probably not the greatest friendship. Mm-hmm. I think the other one is like, you know, is that friend pushing you to be closer to God? Are they encouraging you in your walk with Christ? And are they sacrificing for you without, like, expecting tit for tat or, like, things in return? Um, Yeah, I was going to say one version of toxicity that comes to mind for me is taking the encouraging aspect and maybe the safety aspect, but not applying that to a biblical, like, mm -hmm. become like Christ. Like, if you are just encouraging someone, like, yes, yes, yes everything you're doing and thinking and feeling is so right. Like, and you're doing and thinking and feeling things that are leading you to, you know, cut yourself or to have an eating disorder or to, um, be unhealthy in any number of ways, Mm -hmm. um, with your sexuality or whatever it is, um, that that can be like, Oh, you can tell me all your secrets and I'll be a safe place for you, but I won't Mm -hmm. actually steer you away from, from wrong things in your life. And that reminds me of uh, in high school, I had a guy who was a really close Christian friend at the time, and then he started doing some stuff that was like clearly against a biblical worldview, and me and another friend like called him out on it, or like, 
like, what are you doing? Like, you it, it basically was pursuing a relationship with someone who wasn't a Christian, and um, yeah, they were just kind of just <laughs> going off the deep end. Going off the deep end, yeah. And we called him out, and he was basically like, "You're not being a friend." And if you really love me, you would just support me. And we're like, no, like, because we love you, we don't want you to, to like, go astray. And we're, like, and, um, but that message has just strengthened in our culture of, like, if you love me, you'll affirm everything I do. And I think it's actually a very dangerous message. And, and it's so clearly actually unhealthy when you look at other situations, you know, mm-hmm. like... I'm drunk driving right now, and if you love me, you'll just support me in doing that. It's like, no, that's not love. Like, love grabs the wheel and steals the keys, you know? Um, so I think that's, yeah. yeah. This may sound really harsh, but I think there's a level of, if you're in a toxic friendship, it's okay to leave that friendship. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've done that before uh, from, like, some of the friends I had in high school. I'm just like, I don't need that. That's not healthy. And... You know, that's not saying that I'm not going to, like, try to, like, get them to change or, like, to be more healthy. Mm-hmm. But if I've tried that and they're still, like, no, yeah. then I don't need to put myself in a dangerous or not good situation yeah. where I'm giving of myself and I'm getting toxicity in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds really bad, but, like, you can just leave a friendship. Like, that's okay. Yeah. But at the same time, you should be committed in your friendships that are healthy and good yeah. and you should be working to make them better as you go. Yeah, I was thinking just about the metaphor of, like, um, sowing and reaping, of, like, you sow into the relationship, and there actually should be fruit over time. And and so that works in both ways, like, in your life, too, but also in their life. So I had a friend that, similar to what you were just talking about, Jake, where I felt like I should drop the friendship in a way because... I felt like I was investing in the relationship and there wasn't a return on my side. And I was actually okay with that if there was a return on their side. Like, if I was helping that person become like Christ, I'd be okay with that. But I felt like for a long period of time, you know, we'd engage in companionship, we'd have these deeper discussions, and there was no positive growth or change in their life. And it was just frustrating for me where I was like, there's no fruit here. Like... (laughs) I'm just getting frustrated with you and you're not growing at all. Like, I don't know if you need another kind of friend to help you grow or what, but yeah, it just was, there was no fruit is how I would say that. So if you want to think a little bit more about this topic, um, we have a couple of resources to recommend. So C.S. Lewis is um, a writer from the 30s and 40s, a famous Christian writer, and he wrote a book called The Four Loves, which touches on friendship and it's a good resource. Another one that is um, maybe a bit feminine is called Kitchen Table Counseling, and it just talks about um, getting into those deep conversations and working um, through difficult issues that women are facing as friends together. Yeah. So to close this up, we're going to have our like application question. We want you to talk about this with others and think about this with your like on your own, and then to figure out how to do this over the next week or two. Um, And we'll do the same. So here's the question. Uh, How can you build up a friend of yours this week? Or build your relationship with a friend this week? Yeah, so I was thinking about how I'm bad at companionship. So one thing that comes to mind for me is I know a friend of mine is struggling with um, different issues. And I have 
reached out to her a couple times, but I haven't done it regularly and I haven't really made it a point to like try to get together with her. Um, so maybe I'll do that this week. Mine's similar where I think I need the most growth in being more encouraging. Uh, and so I think in general, I'm going to just try and keep my eye open towards positive things and uh, aspects of people that are like going well and um, try and speak that encouragement over them, uh, which is honestly uncomfortable for me, but it's something I think is really important and people need to hear those words. And so I'm going to work on that. Yeah. So I think for me, I'm going to work on uh, the encouraging side of just trying to find ways that I can encourage like the people that I know, like as they're making choices about the future, especially right now, and just um, help them kind of feel confident that I'm going to be there backing them up mm. with the decisions that they make because I'm pretty confident that they'll make good decisions and, you know, that I'll be there to tell them honestly if they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Call them out, Jake. So we'd like to close in prayer. God, we pray that you would bless our friendships, help us to see people who are lonely and open our hearts um, and our lives to them, and that you would bear fruit through our investment, Lord, and that you would um, be glorified in our community and in our companionship. And thank you, Lord, for making us for each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.